I, so I approached this diagnosis with genuine excitement of like, wow, this is a huge opportunity. The potential in this for transformation and growth and truth realization is, is huge. And that was, that was all I really cared about was truth. And I, and I, I intuited that, that this was going to play a huge role in deepening my capacities and insights to, to grow and expand. And of course, that proved to be true. Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. My name is Talia Joy, and today I am sitting down with Will Pye. Will is a transformational coach, a speaker, an author, a spiritual entertainer, and today we are having an incredible conversation around radical gratitude. But the conversation goes so much further than that. We talk about awakening, we talk about manifestation, about healing what you've been through, and how to truly change your life from the inside out. I can't wait for you to hear Will's story that includes a medical diagnosis, depression, and an ultimate story of transformation. I know you're going to get so much out of this. Make sure to check out Will's links in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's welcome Will onto the show. Hello, Will. Welcome to the show. I am so excited for this conversation. How are you doing? How are you doing right now? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Talia. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, this is going to be really good. So why don't we just start with letting us know who you are, where you are, um, and just kind of, you know, ease into the gold we're going to get into in this episode. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, uh, I'm an Englishman in England at the moment for the first time in a while. I've lived in Australia for the last 20 years and been traveling around the US and, and Canada a fair bit, uh, teaching non-duality, I guess you could say. That's what some people refer to me as. And I'm a speaker and, and, and a coach, and that's what I'm really passionate about doing is, is working with communities and, and with people and working with human consciousness to... Uh, to evolve and expand and minimize suffering and and, and maximize growth and and joy and well-being yeah mm, I love that I feel like that is um very similar to what how I would you know say what I do is like just to help all of us and to help people expand because that is kind of what we need the most. I don't know about you, but I'm not necessarily called to a life of like activism and going and fighting all this stuff. I feel like my work is to like help the people, my own work first, but then helping other people to, you know, raise their consciousness. Cause I, I see it as being the way out of the things that we don't currently like. Um, but yeah, that's very, that's amazing. Good job. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about something that you call radical gratitude. And I would yeah. love to just, let's dive in. Let's, you know, let's talk all about it. Regular gratitude. What's the difference between that and radical gratitude? What led you here? I'd love to just hear it all. Yeah. Gratitude as as we've touched on a little bit when we were chatting earlier is, is the kind of day to day or, or the regular gratitude, as you say, which is not to, not to downplay its power at all. Cause I, I think it's, an extraordinarily powerful mental practice, though, of course, we want to be feeling it as well, allowing the thoughts to shift what we're feeling. Um, and for me, 
it was a huge part of my transformation in my 20s from a miserable, uh, pretty dysfunctional young man that was angry with the world and not at all, not at all happy about being here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed to me that every human was pretty much insane and that uh, the way we were behaving collectively was insane. And uh, so, I, so I, I, I suffered pretty intensely through those attitudes and uh, gratitude was the cornerstone along with meditation of my how, how I changed this body-mind or transformed this body-mind into a place that was really a wonderfully fun place to be and a joyful place to be and a peaceful place to be and um, became fairly successful in business through through becoming a more functional, happier human being, um, raising funds for but for charities. So, um, yeah, the more the more grateful I was, the more the more beauty came into my life, and the more abundance came into my life, and and the more I recognised how much abundance and goodness I already had mm. in my life. Yeah. And of so course, what? Well, what led you there? Like you're saying, you know, in your twenties, you felt you, you know, you weren't very happy. You weren't in a very good place. Did you have like the rock bottom or get to that place where the line is drawn? And Yeah. And I, 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 I just, I decided that I was going to end my life mm. and, uh, went about writing a, a note to my family that would ensure they didn't feel any guilt or suffer at all from my suicide and of course i wasn't able to write such a letter so so i screwed that up and decided that i had to had to keep going and that if i was going to keep going i would have to transform this body mind completely mm. and so i started to experiment and look into how to do that and um asked for help for the first time in my life as a very independent man, uh, that was a big thing. And all of a sudden, the universe was throwing me um, powerful help and, and love and support and assistance and, and guides. Um, and I took up martial arts and I took up meditation and yoga and Qigong and uh, discovered that I was, that this sort of, this energy within me could be really focused into these very intense practices, both uh, zazen meditation and 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 qigong, and whatever I do, I tend to sort of go all in, including with suffering. You know, I, I can see that now. Like, I can see how this life was set up to allow a full immersion. Mm-hmm. It's human, funny that you're. Experience. It's funny that you're saying you go all in and we're talking about radical gratitude. You don't just do gratitude. You do radical. Yeah, Um, right. Yeah, I can relate to that. Even destructive me, um, I go hard. It's like F it, fingers, middle fingers up. Like I am just going to drive this into the ground. But when I take that powerful energy and 
focus it in a place that is beneficial and helpful and healing. I'm also that like knee deep in my business. Like I'm not giving up my healing, my physical body, my mind, like I will stop at nothing, but it's all where we point that focus. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why some days we have to go, not today, Satan, not today, devil, not going down that because I will go hard down that road. So, um, which is great when we're in the light, but I can relate to that myself. It's just, uh, passionate human. <laughs> yeah. You, you give 111%, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did that look like in the beginning? You said they were sending you powerful people. Was it mentorship or books that started to crack you open or what was that? A L- L- lot of, lot of books. Yeah, I remember this is, this would have been, uh, the first Neil Donald Walsh books. Mm, nice. Um, and so they began to, uh, allow me to see a different form of God or, or spirituality or, um, yeah. So growing up, I'd been very strongly rejecting, um, all authority and certainly the atheism as much as, um, the sort of, uh, not very convincing teachings of Christianity or, or not very, um, congruous teachings of uh, I, I, it was very clear to me that this wasn't what christ was 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 actually teaching or wanting us to to know or, or practice mm-hmm. what i was hearing from the churches um and so that was really interesting to see this word god used quite differently and and conceived of quite differently and from then on i was uh i i had i was initially drinking too much and smoking too much pot and then I was buying too many books you know I had to be really careful going into a spiritual bookstore or onto Amazon I think was just just starting around back then or some equivalent and I I just dove hard into every bit of every wisdom tradition every psychological practice every uh transformative seminar and and sort of ended ended up in, in in Zen practice, pretty intensely, mm. it was very much my my flavor. Talking about that that sort of energy, that Rinzai Zen is this very masculine. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and I'm not gonna turn away from that breath or that uh, eyesight on the carpet, or you know, however long it takes, mm. and, and, and until until full enlightenment has has pierced through this 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 mind, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, found found a, a beautiful teacher, Junpo Dennis Kelly Roshi, to to help me along that journey, and an incredible Chogun teachers and yoga teachers, and mm-hmm. again, who really just um, had dedicated their lives to those crafts and practices. And then, as as I started to travel the world a fair bit, uh, plant spirit medicines played a, a big part as well. I had, I had written down on a piece of paper at about twelve that I wanted to do ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that was one of one of many um, ways that Mother Earth uh, facilitated a transformation and, and, and healing in, in, in my experience. So, and then, so so a lot of a lot of that was sort of success in the sense that I, I had I'd healed my addictions. I had cured. I don't want, I don't I don't like to use the word cured when it comes to depression because I don't believe it's a medical condition and there's no evidence that I'm aware of to suggest that there is. So it's not, and for me, it was very clear that this wasn't anything that needed to involve or benefit from involving doctors, right? Um, because they can barely cure a cold, let alone 
something as complex or as nuanced as my subjective experience of misery, you know. Mm. Um, so gratitude completely, you know, a, a daily practice along, along with an I am practice of, I, I realized that what the problem was, was not my, my neurochemistry or, or as a causative, but rather the, prob- the problem was my thinking, how, how I thought about myself mm-hmm. and how I thought about the world. So every day I, I, I would do physical practice, you know, go for a run or, or your, and or yoga and, and then meditate. And then I would write in my journal uh, gratitude. And I would also write I am and, and define a self-image that was accentuating all those qualities and, and vibrations and ways of being that I wanted to mm. be consistently. And I also wrote... I am living in a world of, or you know, this world is, and so I just completely redefined mm-hmm. my my lens. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm, I am I am safe here. I am I'm living in a guided universe. I'm living, yeah. Just so this 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 was a really really. I've never actually taught it, and my next book I hope will actually give me an opportunity to do that because it's it's always in some ways it's been sort of too too personal to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to teach to others. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I confess, I wonder, it, it took such dedication and, and devotion and investment of time and energy to put all this together. And I do wonder if other people would have the same level of devotion or whether they've suffered enough to, you know, my, my t- teacher, Jumpo, would always talk about, well, when people have suffered enough, they're ready for the path. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If, they, if they haven't, they may need to suffer some more for yeah. a while until they get back into their meditation or, or whatever it might be. Um, so that was my 20s in, in Australia and New Zealand and, and turned this body-mind into yeah, really, really alive and, and, and joyful and energized um, creative force. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I became a powerful leader in business and um, a powerful fundraiser and inspirer of other people, or transformer of other. Like I, 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 I was able to affect other people's transformation mm-hmm. and and movement in a certain direction, whether that be to to give money to the charity I was raising funds for, or to to work for my company or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I, I had a, ended up having a really, really great twenties, had my own company that was, was doing very well. And you know, all, all, all the, all the external stuff that we, that we appreciate and enjoy, but probably, probably still, I think it would be fair to say that there was a, there was a core of my energy system that wasn't fully open or, or, or flowful. Mm-hmm. And, then at 31, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And uh, what was really curious was how synchronistically, how, how synchronistically that situation unfolded. And it was very, very immediately clear to me that this was part of this life, mm. you know, not, not, not the end of it or, mm. or, or a problem, but that, that this was an assignment, that this was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I had I had observed how 
you know, stubbing my toe, for example, is an opportunity to expand consciousness and notice the reactive of, of Ow and so on and, and discover that there's a, a core of my being here that's not reactive and that's not mm-hmm. um, in resistance to any, to anything, including pain. So I, so I approached this diagnosis with genuine excitement of like, wow, this is, this is, this is, this is the, this is a huge opportunity that the, the potential in this for transformation and growth and truth realization is, is huge. And that was, that was all I really cared about was my, was truth. Um, like what's really happening? What is the nature of God? How can I be more God? How can I be more useful to God? Yeah. How, how, how can I help this world be happier and healthier and, and more harmonious? Mm. Um, and I, and I, I intuited that, that this was going to play a huge role in deepening my capacities and insights to, to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. And of course, that proved to be true. That's incredible. There's, I mean, there's so many levels to that. The soul level, the human level, the purpose level, there's all the things. But it's fascinating how whatever had led you to that point in your life, that when you got your diagnosis, the dominant thought that ended up prevailing is, wow, what an assignment, what an opportunity to meet this, to expand myself, to eventually go on to help others. Like you had that, which is just not the normal where we are right now in our consciousness. A lot of us are reacting. And especially like you said, it's labeled as bad. It's not good. Most people you talk to would say, what, you know, how is this good? And Mm -hmm. it's not really about fighting the reality of things. It's about seeing it on a higher level. That's my perception anyway. Yeah. And it's incredible that you were able to do that through something so physical, so quote unquote real, Um, Yeah, right. There's the test results. There's the doctor. There's the prognosis. And you had come to a certain place in your soul, which was already there. And I think you just had to be activated to remember those things again in this life. Um, But anyway, Mm -hmm. it's like you were ready to have that as like the assignment you took on, which is just massive and also is very in line with how you're meant to help others because you're given an assignment so big that by moving through that with faith and trust and expansion, you are naturally going to learn on a soul level, on a human level, something that is beneficial to others. I don't know if that fully makes sense, but totally. I, I really appreciate that response. And I feel, I feel, I feel met and heard and seen in, in your summary with that Talia. And uh, yeah, there was something that you mentioned, which was what I'd been up to prior to that diagnosis. And that was very much part of the uh, way that my mind was able to accept what I was intuiting that this was part of the journey. Because I looked back at the last 10 years, which had included a lot of energy healing training, mm-hmm. which I, I just thought I was going to out of curiosity, right? I just thought, you know, what's, what's possible within consciousness and so on. You're actually um, packing your toolbox, but you just think, hey, this is fun. What a neat class, yeah. cool book. They're like, yep, you're going to need all this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I've, I've been studying spontaneous remission and mind-body connection. And so my my immediate sense was, oh, well, I'll just sort this out on an energetic level and no, no worries. I was probably a little complacent with how straightforward or, or, or simple that would be, um, which I appreciate. 
you know, I, I, because that that depth of belief that oh yeah, no no worries, this will be this will be straightforward was probably a helpful belief to have, and I found a lot of um, you know, the first neurosurgeon I worked with was he was quite casual about the whole thing, which was very much a reflection of how I was coming to it. And and I did a, a I did some work with Iboga. Um, and in that ceremony, this beautiful ceremony with a beautiful crew in London, I just shook my head and, and, and the, the tumor sort of flew out of my head and, on, and onto the floor. And it was so real that I was like, ooh, dear, I hope I didn't chuck that onto someone, you know, onto someone's food or onto, onto their lap or whatever, you know. Um, I think I was the most relaxed and fearless about a potentially terminal um, health diagnosis as it would be possible to be, mm. and uh, and what it also did, it gave me it gave me permission to focus just one hundred percent on my healing. So I I said to my my team leader at the time, "Can you? I want you to manage my business for me, and uh, if it's still here when I come back, that'll be great. But don't sweat it. You know, it's sort of it'll, it'll tick over, so don't 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 worry too much about it." And I, and I just pulled all my resources and time into doing the healing work mm-hmm. and, and and also writing a book which I'd been wanting and meaning to do for for some time and now I felt I had this really nice narrative so I wrote this book called blessed with a brain tumor mm. just a little bit cheeky a little bit provocative to, mm-hmm. to, to the mind I think mm-hmm. it would be fair to say mm-hmm. and uh, and then in the course of promoting that book, you know, just going to bookstores and going to conferences and so on. A, a business naturally emerged as a, as a speaker and, and and coach and so on. And I and I realized just how much I love speaking with people mm-hmm. about truth and about the nature of this reality and why we might be here and what's really happening. Mm-hmm. You know? Seems like there's this world out there that's you know, randomly unfolding through cause and effect chains that have been set in motion mm-hmm. since 14 billion years ago, apparently. But what's actually really happening? Are we separate from the world around us? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we change our inner state, does the outer state, whether our physical body or the world around us, does that change too? And I think that's, as you were alluding to earlier, would be a wonderful thing for more and more humans not to be fighting the old or or in in a sort of activism, but ra- a rather more conscious activism of, of 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 creation to realize that when we enough of us are perceiving the world in peace mm-hmm. and in joy and in enoughness, then the world many of the world's apparent problems will resolve through that consciousness. Yeah. It's like there's, we can look forward or we can look back, right? And a lot of people are fighting what they don't like, which in my perception in this conversation is looking back. I don't like this, or it's the same as like, I don't want to be in pain anymore. It's like, okay, we're just focusing more on what has been and what we don't want. Or there's the moving forward of, I wish to feel peace. Can I embody peace right now? Spirit, Mm -hmm. help me feel peace right now. 
before yeah. the money, before I solve all the world's problems. And that's, it's two different ways, right? And you hear people going, I don't want to be in debt. I don't want to be in debt. I'm like, cool. We're still focusing on the debt. I want to be financially free. Okay, there you go. Now we're starting to talk in possibility. So whether it's these bigger issues or it's those simple things we want to quote unquote manifest, are you looking back and fighting what you don't like, or are you mm -hmm. moving into what you do actually want to experience? Yeah, right. And for me, some of my energy healer friends weren't happy with my book title, but for me, it was very clear that how this felt in my body was, was, was good. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, it was the state of complete health and, and, and well-being. And, uh, and most, most people who have been diagnosed with what I was diagnosed with um, hang around in the body for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it was 20 years ago now. So I'm, is that right? No, 12 years ago now. So I'm wow. so, so far so good. Mm -hmm. But I, I recently got married and that's, given me a, a far deeper sense of wanting to live for mm. not, not, not just wanting to live, but wanting to live for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, mm -hmm. let, let, let's, 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 let's go forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something to keep you here as well as just the spiritual and the meaning and the helping people, but something personal to keep you here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, my, my, my friend, Kristen, she says that she sees my wife muse as kind of anchoring me on on the earth mm -hmm. and I thought that was quite perceptive of her um because there is something that's opened up in my in my vision that really wasn't there I, I've for, for a long time you know I, I've I think as I alluded to earlier this this planet's pretty intense mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of dense uh energy and a lot of a lot of ignorance and a lot of um, harm mm -hmm. that's the, that, that we create for each other and, and to Mother Earth herself mm -hmm. with, with, with how we unconsciously live upon her. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not always enjoyable. I think I, you know, the radical gratitude is, is, to, is to alchemize those um, energies and those ways of being through our own loving awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of us are, are here to bring that depth of presence and loving light and loving awareness into the denser pockets of, of mother earth. And, um, and if we see ourselves as the universe or, or, or a fractal of the exploding universe or the expanding universe, then of course we will, we will, we will feel that. And, mm -hmm. and we might, and, and we might manifest uh, you know, something in our physical bodies. Excuse me. It was uh, when I was first diagnosed, I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting how as above, so below or, or the microcosm of the macrocosm, a, a human having a, a cancer, particularly a brain tumor, is kind of, one could say, like an, an extrapolated version of what's happening for the planet at the moment. You know, we're, 
Mm. Everything's we've got all that we need, and yet where um, we have these fundamental challenges to the ecosystems and life support systems that are weakening uh, Mother Earth's capacity to to love us essentially to to nourish mm. us and, and support us. Yeah. Um, and so we really, we really need to heal that for Mother Earth and for our fellow humans and, and for future generations and for all the other wonderful divine beings that are upon this um, beautiful marble flying through eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's also interesting the fact that it was um, brain. And when I'm talking to clients and just in general, I always try to say like, I'm, I'm incredibly sensitive to the journey. And I think it's when we start going, oh, it's just a, this, it's just caused by energy. It de-en- it de-emphasizes the suffering, which I don't want to focus on the suffering, but the other side, like it's not just to anyone listening with health concerns. I don't, I want to be very sensitive to that. Mm. We, there's so much we can do, but it also is such a dense journey. So I just kind of wanted to say that, but it's, yeah, thank it's you. A, and, if I can just riff off that, the uh, I, I I was very sensitive when I wrote "Blessed with," I, I didn't want to be flippant or not listen deeply to a more common experience of being diagnosed with a brain tumor, which is um, one of a lot of fear and 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 stress and and sometimes physiological manifestation manifestations that can be really tricky to navigate really mm-hmm. tricky to navigate and so yeah my my it feels good to really be explicit that there's a a compassion and an empathy for anyone who's going through really challenging health circumstances especially and and to invite anyone who's maybe perceived any sort of judgment or or or, or self-loathing or and any of that's being activated through anything that I've shared is, is to to recognize that to recognize that that is something to bring loving awareness to in, in our own system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's this balance of seeing and hearing and validating yourself while also being open to the assignment, to the bigger picture. So it, I I personally live with pain. And I, as you're saying, some of the things with the assignment, I there's a distinct time in my life where I move from why am I in pain? Oh my God, what is this going to be like when I'm older? Why is like nobody else is in like all of this stuff into this is one of the greatest teachers of my life. And I was actually going to ask you something in there. I've got a note. I want to circle back, but it's, it's this double edge. The day I'm, the days I'm really in pain. I'm like, Talia, I love you so much. You've got this rest. What do I need body? You're safe. You're secure. Almost like bringing the nervous system down, you know, over the course of a day, I might say a lot of those things to myself, like, good job. Mm -hmm. Just go rest. It's this loving, Mm -hmm. compassionate awareness of being my own best friend, my own healer, acknowledging, Mm -hmm. and then also 
not future tripping into, oh my gosh, it's never going to get better. Or what I was going to actually say is like what we're making things mean, which is a whole part of gratitude. What am I making this mean? So sitting there in pain, it's an opportunity to expand into more compassion for myself. I always Mm -hmm. ask, what are you telling me? And often my body says like, go have an Epsom salt bath, or we need to just breathe, meditate yoga. You know, it'll tell me that I'm like, okay, an opportunity to step into deeper compassion. But also there's the days I'm in so much pain. I just want to cry. And then I just let myself do that and go good, get it out. I love you. Rub my own back. You're doing a good job. So it's that balance of that. I think in spirituality or self-growth, we get into like, oh no, I don't want to focus on the pain. I'm not going to do this. I'm a powerful, but sometimes that creates more resistance when you're sincerely suffering and suffering requires love and acknowledgement. And then we move on and move out of suffering. Do you, does that feel true to you as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I've um, yeah, the latest leg of my journey, I decided to have a brain surgery procedure that left me hemiplegic. So I was paralyzed down the, the left side of my body. And that's definitely brought forth that very opportunity that you're speaking of to, to soften mm-hmm. and to deepen my self-compassion and to learn to receive to, to receive love, to receive life force, to receive consciousness, and and to receive help. Mm. It's it's funny how resistant my my masculine mind might be at times to having generally the women of my life help me mm. uh, do physical things or you know, re- receive financial help from insurances and all these sorts of things. And it's funny to notice the resistance to that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm sorry to have to be asking you to do this. And I might say to my wife and, and then realizing how utterly silly that perspective is. Mm. Um, I'm sorry for having needs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. And the opportunity to, to, to soften into my, into my, feminine energy we could say and, and to receive and, and to trust and to allow my wife to have her journey of loving me and and supporting me and mm-hmm. yeah, that that's 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 been that's been huge so and and there's definitely a point at times when you know I, I want to have the positive inspirational vision right that's what a lot of people have appreciated in in my writing and, and, and perspectives on on my life and, and their life and, and one of the things I, I teach is that when we change the way that we look at things the things we look at change right Wayne Dyer <laughs> he's probably quoting someone else but yes yeah yeah I I, I, I love Wayne and I love I love the fact that it's it's I think it, that quote originates in the Dao Di Ching Mm-hmm. And Max Max Planck, the founding father of quantum mechanics, said it a lot, and then Wayne repeated it so much that it became a Wayne Dyer quote. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping if I keep repeating it, maybe in 20 years, it'll be a Will Pie quote. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Dow and Wayne Dyer, like Wayne Dyer's my 
main teacher. If someone said main mentor, main teacher, hands down, he's the Mm. one who found me when I was suffering and I was reading all of his books while deeply depressed and not really knowing what to do with it, but I was so drawn and that led me to the Tao. And I as well went through sort of anti-religion and resisting all that. And that helped me to kind of bring in what now I take as source energy, life force energy without a way of it being God or this or that. And Mm -hmm. I loved how, you know, when you name it, you've lost it. And like the whole Tao is just something that I deeply, and I love Wayne's version too, listening to him break them all down and his interpretations of because he lived the Tao for a year or whatever anyway. But um, yeah, it's, it's just so, it's so fascinating. And, and when we do change the way we look at things, life changes and that's kind of coming back to that meaning making, which, which I, that's just one way to put it, but our brain is constantly trying to create meaning. So to come back to the gratitude, when you look at something that happens to you, that's uncomfortable, as an opportunity for expansion, you have changed the way that that thing occurs to you. And so for everyone listening to really, you know, look at how you can apply this in your life, it's like how often we jump to create meaning and say our, you know, we're cooking dinner, our significant others late, and we right away are like, oh, they don't have any regard for me or, oh, they're disrespecting, but they could be stuck in traffic. They could, you know, whatever else. We have to watch the way we make things mean. And when we are uncomfortable, when I was talking about my pain, when I have a day I'm in pain, I truly can cleanly say, I no longer make it mean that this pain is just going to get worse and that tomorrow I'm going to also be in pain. And that's always where my brain went. So Mm -hmm. it's that, that's why reprogramming, like the actual reprogramming of the brain is really important the way that I see it as well, because that's the human part of us that has Mm -hmm. these trodden paths that our brain likes to go down. So I'd love to hear your take on that with this radical gratitude and sort of, because that's what it sounds like you're almost sort of implying is like changing the way things, what they mean to have that thread of blessing and gratitude in it. Um, Is that (laughs) semi-accurate? Yeah, I'd say that's very accurate. I like the way you put it. I think that the, the first step or the sort of energetic approach if you like is to kind of neutralize or or soften the intensity of the meaning making that we might be generating which which is generally conditioned and inherited passed down programmed through the tv or or the the dominant religion of our culture or you know our mum or dad or whoever it might be to first love or accept or, or be grateful for that apparently very bad feeling or, 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 or discomfort, which is often associated with a, a sort of self-judgment that we shouldn't be feeling that mm. or that we, sh- we should have healed it by now. Or I'm so glad you brought that up. Or mm-hmm. that I, I, should, I should be consistently kind to myself by now. Mm-hmm. That was a little loop that I went around in for, for many years was, it should okay, be so more I, woke. <laughs> yeah, I, I should I should be more self-loving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should but be it, more grateful. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that that's a little counterproductive, of course. It's it's like it's on the right path. It's like we kind of all went through that of like I should be more that I should be, but as you go deeper, you start to realize the holes in that and how it kind of just takes mm-hmm. you back into the the same loop. But anyway, <laughs> you go on. <laughs> and and, and, and maybe, maybe I I could be. Mm. is a more helpful 
a, a sort of softer invitation. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking we, we, we have this sort of capacity at the core of our heart or the core of our energy system to, to bring our own loving awareness, our own loving presence to the intensity, mm-hmm. to the pain, mm. to, 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 really, to really feel it and sort of honor it, you know, like just because it's here. You know, it's like there's a really rambunctious guest at the party and we might prefer if they played some different tunes and didn't have such a loud outfit and and maybe were a little softer in their communications but but they're here and they're and they're a guest and they are source manifesting in a in a body just like everything else so um there's also the shadow aspect, right? Like, why right. do they irritate me so much? So, what, what, what might what might they be showing me about myself that I haven't integrated or accepted mm-hmm. or, or, or loved? Um, so, therefore, how how am I best able to honor this guest and, and love this guest and welcome this guest and help this guest feel welcome and safe? And and of course, we know that what we're talking about is most likely just simply a part of our own nervous system or part of our own psychology. And then when, when we're back to some sort of point of neutrality or, or uh, peace, it becomes far easier to then create a new meaning mm-hmm. or a new narrative. Because in, in scientific terms, the wave function has collapsed once again in the seven steps of radical gratitude, I always point people to we select an issue or a challenge, like you know, I've got a brain tumor or whatever it might be, or or my my husband doesn't love me as much as he used to, or you know, whatever it might be, right? We've got an infinite array of possible narratives or problems that we suffer through. Um and the first thing that I invite people to do is to having selected a narrative or a story or, or, or a problem is to accept that we don't know the meaning of it mm. that we don't actually know what's going on mm. this, 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 this is a one of the initial lessons in A Course in Miracles mm-hmm. uh, Jesus has us or the book however one wants to perceive it um, look, looking around the room yeah. every 10 seconds and accepting I don't know what that means. I don't actually know what that is. You know, the mind, the mind thinks it does, right? Yeah. But it actually doesn't have the capacity to know. Yeah. You know, it's, got, it's, it's got sensory data and thoughts that are conditioned, inherited most likely. And so I like this idea of saying, okay, so I, I, I don't actually know if this is good or bad for me. I don't know if this is what I think it is. You know, it, it seems like she's rejecting me. It seems like she's not loving me. But I don't. I don't know that that's the case, and, and that mm-hmm. that opens up us into the, the space of possibility and potential again, mm-hmm. um, which, 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 is, which is a powerful. I, I like to think of it in those quantum mechanical terms that we're causing the wave function to collapse once again into mm-hmm. the infinite void of possibility and potential, mm-hmm. and we and we can now from that place of softening and not knowing, just accepting that truth, 
we can maybe invite the universe to reveal the highest truth that's here or mm-hmm. the great the greatest opportunity or the greatest potential and and at the very least i'll probably now be better able to communicate with her or, or him or anyone that's in this drama in a, in a in a way and in a tone and with a feeling that will lead us towards a more harmonious desirable outcome right because you're I, yeah. sorry go ahead I was just going to say, because your communication's different, even if you don't know what to say, if you go, when you did this, I'm not really sure why, but I just noticed I got so triggered, even if that's what you say, rather than when you do this, I can't even believe like, you know, so mm-hmm. even in a relationship, family or romantic or whatever, when we come to it with an awareness of a witnessing, even if we do need to hash it out with somebody else, it's so much softer yeah. And when your defenses aren't up or you're not just blaming, then they're more, you know, so then you're more able yeah. to be like, oh, that's funny because when I did that, actually what happened was this. And then you're already more soft. So you're going, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I totally made it to mean this. And, you know, you can kind of sort through it a little bit easier. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that when you were saying that about the uh, witnessing, um, I don't remember. Well, you said about witnessing the ouch. <laughs> I chuckled just because that's the way that my head works. And I feel like when any one thing happens, if someone's like, you know, oh, how are you feeling? Or why does that bother you? Or I'm like, which level? Because there's the ouch of the physical toe and there's the why that happened. And then there's the witnessing of my reaction. It's just funny. So when you said that, I'm like, not a lot of people say, let's witness the ouch of stubbing your toe. But that is such a key part of all of this. And one book that blew my mind open at the time was The Untethered Soul, which was so good for this. And that's the whole art of witnessing. Like who is the one that stubbed the toe and who is the one that's witnessing me stubbing my toe? And so when you're talking about when we're talking about meaning making and shifting the way that things occur to you, when you start witnessing your reaction, say at that party, and you're witnessing your irritation at the person who's loud, that immediately is one step removed from just that person's an idiot, which is a lot of times where we operate um, before we become more aware and have that mm-hmm. higher awareness is like, they're just dumb. Well, why? Well, look at their sweater. And they're never really going that above and beyond or higher in that awareness. So witnessing your own irritation to somebody else or your own feeling of, man, when my spouse did that, it really made me feel like it could even be, they don't love me, like some catastrophe drama. And when you witness that, all of a sudden you're in a different position, more open. And then as you said, you can also ask the universe, like, show me or help me to understand why that was my reaction. And all of that, what, however, you know, all of that is a better, if we're going to say better place to create peace in your life, rather than just my spouse is an idiot. And you're already on your phone. You're texting your friend. I can't believe he did that again. You're just fueling the drama instead of having that higher awareness around the drama. Mm. So curious your thoughts on that as well. And then I would also like to hear the seven steps of the radical gratitude, if you're willing to share any of those before we end, but I'd love to hear your yeah, thoughts for sure. on that. So I was just momentarily came to mind my, my teacher, Jumpo, who would always remind us that no one ever made you feel anything. So mm-hmm. that, so just when I ever hear that phrase, it's a very common phrase, of course, in, uh, in, in English, you know, he made me feel or, it made me feel and 
he's always. How do you think that makes me feel? I don't know. Yeah. How does it make you feel? That's yeah, right. on you, boo. <laughs> yeah. So that I think that's just a useful distinction to bring into the dialogue. I know you're aware of it. Just, just for our friends that are that are listening and joining us in that conversation, is to if we get really honest, we see that no one ever has made us angry. No one has ever made us feel like shit. It might be that there was a sequence of events where it seemed like kind of you know they said that and then that feeling arose in me, but there's actually a choice in there somewhere that's probably an unconscious choice uh, and it's uh, about what it means and and it and it's because it probably resembles an experience we've had previously when you know mummy used to speak to me that way or 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 daddy did that or or any other number of events from the past that we're now getting a similar energetic shape and we're projecting a similar meaning onto um and another teacher of mine, a guy called Alan Seal, speaking about choice, he'd, he'd write about dealing with levels of levels of awareness that uh, what was it? Choice, choice was one of the sort of the high levels that we could engage with something at. But often it starts with with reactive or, or, or victim, and then drama. You know, we, we we love to create drama, right? Or a lot of humans love to create drama. You know, it's quite a powerful neurochemical storm when we're when we're in the big you know maybe maybe the adrenaline gets going or, or the neuroephedrine or whatever neurochemistry that we might find ourselves getting something from it's almost like the darkness in us wants to be validated and i don't even know just take darkness for what it means but in that example of they're late and you're texting your friend like i can't believe you did it it's like you just create extra drama because maybe you're uncomfortable and so you're uncomfortable because they've done something that you're perceiving as rude or whatever and then we almost feel the need to like spew it or share it so that hopefully our friend goes yeah girl he's a dog and then what we end up back feeling now resentful and mad and in victim it's just interesting how drama comes into the victim yeah yeah the the ego loves being right doesn't it it loves to it loves to be right and loves to have endorsements in that regard, mm-hmm. as, as, as you allude to there. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, what, what a terrible thing he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you're coping. You know, so there's that sort of pity parties can be, it seems, supportive of us in quite a, a, a narrow way. And that works until we realize that it doesn't, you know, until, we, until one day we see how we are creating that confusion and, and how it's our lack of awareness and lack of consciousness and and maybe our own self-judgment or maybe our own lack of listening to ourselves or, or giving ourselves enough time or that we're sometimes, really angry about. Yeah. And sometimes the healing work too, you know, I believe as humans, it's our, well, if you choose this path of being sort of self-growth and all this, as everybody listening is, it, we do have a bit of a I don't know if it's duty or what, but healing what we've been through, as you said, when we were young, we really did go through stuff. We had dysfunctional circumstances. Our parents were there or not. We really did have that stuff. And so I noticed, you know, I'd been in many relationships, but then when I met my husband and I just knew he was the one, there would be things that come up that I'm like, okay, I know how much he loves me and is committed and all these things. Why am I feeling this? And I'll be like, oh, that's the abandonment thing again. Mm-hmm. And it'll kind of be like something that is completely not in this reality abandonment, 
my brain takes it because of those defensive, that defense. So I was just thinking as we're talking about it, sometimes that's the quote unquote unhealed or unintegrated parts of us because we don't know that. And once I was aware of abandonment and then I could see, holy shit, it comes up everywhere. Even clients, if they're like, okay, we're done working together for a bit in the beginning of my business, it's like, I must not be good enough. And, you know, I just noticed Mm -hmm. all these little areas that what was I making that mean? That was touching up against a wound that I was just trying to keep covering up with band-aids and what shirts and stuff, but it was still under there oozing. (laughs) This metaphor is going downhill quickly. Um, (laughs) But once we start healing it, we can be aware of it and go, wow, I'm really feeling abandonment here. And now I have the tools to know what to do with that. And it's nothing my husband's actually doing or this person or my client. I can detach from that meaning because I'm aware of it. And, and and it's not my fault either. Like I, yeah. I, I, sh- I shouldn't be feeling more secure in this relational dynamic than, than I am. And my, my, my wife was communicating something, I think that's of a similar shape to what you're touching on there, that she was, you know, we, we, we've been married for not, not that long, but long enough that she feels that she shouldn't perhaps feel any more insecurity or, Mm-hmm. Or, or jealousy because she 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 does observe and know how much I love her and how devoted I am to her and but I think it's precisely when we find ourselves in those genuinely safe relational dynamics that we even feel safe to have these deep core nervous system patternings or wounds um, present because I you know, and my and my job then. It's very simple. It's to just keep on loving her and and and, and hold her, perhaps, and um, and not and not perceive that her withdrawing, as might happen sometimes, is a judgment of me. Because of course, our relational patternings are not coincidentally finding themselves path of committed sacred union. You know, it's highly likely that there's a pattern in 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 me that my wife is familiar with from her relationship with her primary male caregiver and, and and vice versa so we 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 come together to hopefully with a, a lot of consciousness um observe these patterns play and and see how one kind of invites the next dance move as it were that um can can perpetuate things and and the more consciousness we're able to bring to that and the more love we're able to bring into that yeah the more we're able to unattach ourselves from those previously unconscious ways of thinking and, and ways of ways of dancing. I like to look at it with, yeah. with, with, with our lover. And uh, so funnily enough, through feeling the insecurity or, or the abandonment, we can encounter a deeper security or, or feel a deeper peace mm-hmm. and sense of trust in, in the relationship that we find ourselves in. So it's uh mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's always 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 more layers to the um, to to those sorts of primary human to human um, patterns. I think. Yeah, and with that higher awareness, you also it doesn't become your full time job to reassure, which I think is like when both people are more unaware, someone's patterns. They're like assuming you're in a genuine safe committed relationship or whatever it is for you that makes you feel safe. Um, 
one person reacts and without the awareness, they're kind of projecting. And then you might feel being loyal and committed to always have to reassure and, oh, no, no, which then becomes your own full-time job of, but then when it doesn't work and they still feel insecure and then you're going, well, is there something I'm not, it just kind of talk about assignments. I feel like relationships, it's no, it's, there's no mistake why we come together and you can Mm -hmm. have such a loving, safe relationship. And it's still going to be the motherfucking assignment of your life with being honest, with being, you know, communication, or like you said, trusting, like when we Mm -hmm. move through abandonment stuff and I truly realize I can fully trust my husband, I'm even closer to him. So there's like these these ways that these assignments are such gifts, but our stuff is going to bump up against each other and not necessarily in the sexy way. It's going to, our, our wounds are going to come out in that stuff, even when we are in a loving, supportive place. Yeah. Um, It doesn't mean you shouldn't react. Yeah. For sure. And, And my wife's opportunity might be in those moments to, to be vulnerable enough to express her insecurity and, and, and maybe her self-judgment around that or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then and then my opportunity is to continue to be in loving presence mm-hmm. with her and as I would strive to be all, all the time and, uh, and allow her to have the experience of that part of her being held mm-hmm. and, and loved and accepted. And yeah, it's a, it's a really, really exquisite dance that when 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 we bring consciousness and awareness into that dance can become enjoyable that when 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 it's all just unconscious reactivity mm-hmm. with no insight into what's actually happening mm-hmm. you know no reflection upon how our and and for, and for some of course this could be the echo of you know really horrible abusive relational patterns that developed with 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 adults when they were children so you you were touching upon it earlier to say that shit really did happen mm-hmm. and for the nervous system mm-hmm. to be imagining that that's happening now and to be feeling the sort of residual trauma of that is definitely not wrong and it, and and indeed if we're in a relationship where that sort of depth of pain is arising we might take that as a great a great compliment upon the the, the depth of of love and the open-heartedness that's that's present in that mm-hmm. relational dynamic because because like that can that can be met here too that can be held mm-hmm. um you know, i see my sister my sister's an incredible mother and the way she has at times continued loving her boys when they're emotionally acting out, you know, sometimes with anger and with, and with hitting and so on. And, and she'll, she'll hold them and say, you know, I, I understand you're feeling anger and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And continue just to hold them and help regulate their nervous system. Mm-hmm. And, and, and other times you know, there'll be a very firm no that that's not behavior that we can, allow but then an an immediate pivot back to play and and love and and Mm -hmm. silliness so that any agitation and then in their nervous system that's come about through that necessary firm no is um 
is, is, is itself brought back to peace. And so I, I have a lot of admiration for my sister because she, she, she doesn't have a meditation practice. I think her children are her, her meditation mm -hmm. practice. Um, and I think more and more humans are developing these resources within their own nervous system to parent responsibly mm -hmm. and, and lovingly rather than through these sort of old ways of punishment or kind of just judgment. domination. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I have, I have three of those little humans and um, it's a very interesting journey because boundaries are something or rules or whatever, something that in some places like have to be, um, mm. but it's all about how you go about it and the understanding also why that's there or whatever, and not withdrawing your love if they cross the boundary you know what I mean it's like the loving presence is always there but the way you talked to me was not okay or whatever mm. it was but I don't love you any less and you're never going to get less of my affection or my heart and those are the things that kids pick up on just one example of like I did this and my parent turned away and I lost love because of the way I acted out or I was too much or I was, you know, and so really yeah. trying to show the love doesn't go anywhere. But sometimes like this is your bedtime or you have to eat your veggies. I'm sorry, you know, um, and that's that's yeah, that that's a, a difficult balance for parents. I find sometimes yeah, I imagine tough. I think parenting is is the advanced um, meditation path. Right. I feel like entrepreneurship and parenthood, if you're lucky enough to experience either of those for the self-growth aspect, <laughs> they really do make you choose what path you're going to go. Because I was very in the light and dark when I started having children. And it's like, where are you going to go with this? Because now there's something else to it. There's more repercussions. There's more eyes on you. Are you going to go dark? Are you going to go light? <laughs> like, I think I'm going to go light. <laughs> but anyway, I hopefully found it, or at least I'm on the path of that. Um, so I would love to sure hear, you thank you. <laughs> I would love to hear, um, before we wrap up about these steps of radical gratitude and kind of bringing that back into, you know, I have a lot of clients that I am impressed and inspired by their gratitude practice, the, their ability to sincerely feel gratitude in their body, even when they're dealing with the most intensive circumstances. And I also have clients that are sort of new to it and gratitude feels really good and they want to play more in that realm. So kind mm -hmm. of no matter where they're at, how can we take it that step farther and be more radical with it? And, and, you know, those either the steps, if you're willing to share with us, or just what does that actually look like to give some tangibles for people? Yeah, for sure. So I would encourage anyone to, to start where, the, where they're at and to develop some capacity for a regular garden variety gratitude, if that makes sense. So, you know, give, give the mind over to the, the page or, or, or speaking it out or whatever it might be or sharing with our partner or our friend at the end of and beginning of the day um, what I am feeling grateful for with the intention of allowing the feeling of gratitude to arise. So I'm using thoughts. You know, I'm feeling grateful for the sunshine upon the autumnal leaves earlier on today and I'm feeling grateful for my my wife's love or whatever it might be. I'm feeling grateful for chocolate brownies. We can allow the mind to, to skip from uh, good feeling to good feeling. I just want to say, I love that you said feeling grateful. What am I feeling grateful for? That immediately 
brought me to, oh, yes. Because as we had touched on before we hit record, some people just go, I'm grateful for the food in my fridge and that I live in a country where I could like, it's just kind of empty because we're mm. basically just reciting what we're grateful for. But when you say, yeah. what am I feeling grateful for? That makes you actually search for something that there's a feeling attached, as you said. So sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> interrupt. I just thought that's such a small but very powerful shift. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction that that can get forgotten it's not just going through the motions of you know, writing out a page it's better better to have a millisecond of, of genuine gratefulness in our heart mm. than write out a hundred items uh, or a whole page of things that we're grateful for though it's a wonderful thing to discover you know, sometimes people when they start they'll say well i, I think I, I think i'm done you know, they've got to like five or ten things and it's like no, i reckon there's probably more things and and they, they they keep going, and then a page later, they realize that they could actually just write A4 page after A4 page of what they feel grateful for in their life. So yes, the, the present tense languaging, I think I am, and I am feeling mm-hmm. are really important. And, and, and doing it not because we should do, or because I told my coach I'm going to, but because cause I want to, because I want, I want to feel good. I want to conduct this experiment of, you know, how, 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 can, how can I change how I feel through what I'm focusing my mental body upon? And that just allows people to, over time, quite naturally and without really much effort, necessarily observe and notice and feel what it is to shift their body-mind mm-hmm. from one feeling or in, into a particular feeling, this, mm-hmm. this feeling of, of, of gratefulness or, or gratefulness. And um, once we have a familiarity with that, you know, where do we feel, feel grateful? What, what, are the, what are the actual sort of contours or, or vibrational flavors of, of gratefulness? Once we have that familiarity, it becomes easier to at will evoke it, kind of like as a force field or, or, a, or a, an energy emanating from our, from our nervous system, from our heart it then becomes possible to practice what I would call radical gratitude or this sort of Aikido of consciousness. So in, in, in Aikido, we, we work with the energy of the attacker rather than resisting it or blocking it. Mm. If their punch is coming through, we, we might just, just gently pull their punch through. And so without any resistance or any violence of our own, we neutralize that energy by allowing it just to, to flow on through. Mm. And this is how, how I see radical gratitude. So if I'm working with someone on a workshop or, or a retreat or just in one-on-one work, first of all, we begin by, I think this is, this is the seven steps. I haven't gone through this for a long, long time. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to embarrass myself and forget my own steps, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident that they'll, they'll be right there. So we start by identifying the issue that we want to work with. And usually that's quite apparent. So what, what's been causing me the most stress or has been showing up again and again recently? You know, is it, is it my, my boss at work? Is it how I feel about my job or that, that way my husband and I or my wife and I are communicating or you know, whatever it might be, pick the, the emotion or, or the issue. And of course, in, in doing that, we, we language it. We say, well, you know, the way my husband has been talking to me recently or um, 
how I've been feeling when when I have a headache or whatever it might be. Um, you know, what sort of meaning I start to attach to that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next step, having identified, and we're probably writing this out, I'd encourage people to engage with it, with writing and, and their hands as, as well as languaging it in, in dialogue. Um, we then apply this, for me, what's a really important sort of uh, first step, although it's kind of the second step, and that's to accept that I don't know what this means. Mm-hmm. My mind doesn't actually know what this means, and it doesn't have the capacity to, to determine whether it's good or bad for me even. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have enough slice of time or data or information or perspectives. So I'm going to shift myself into a state of neutrality mm-hmm. as best as I can mm-hmm. about this thing that I've, I've said it's this. And I'm now going to say, well, actually, that's a perception. Mm-hmm. And it may have some truth in it. And it may be missing the point. And then I'm going to start to sort of try and inch in or, or uh, take gentle steps into feeling grateful for it. And some of the questions that I might ask to help that process are, what's the gift in this? Or what's the opportunity in this? Just very simple questions. And of course, when, when, we're, when we're looking for the gift or we're looking for the opportunity, we're much more likely to, to find it. Oh, okay, so you know, the opportunity is to create a deeper intimacy in my relationship with my, with my love. Or the opportunity is to really review how I'm living my life and whether I want to be doing that job or not. Or, or, the, or the gift is actually just to give myself a break for this next week or day or whatever. And then I have another question that's kind of a, a bigger question of the same sort. And it's like, if I had somehow on some level created this in order to learn a, a pearl, like a real higher level learning or gift. So you know, if, if I somehow created this specifically for the purpose of growth, what what is that golden lesson or, or that that mm. higher level learning that I that I'm seeking? Because that for me that really sort of focuses us on the most powerful insight, which is you know, the the core reason or the, or the sole reason we might say as to, as to why we created it or um, agreed to encounter it mm. in, in, mm-hmm. in this life or whatever it might be. I love that. It's like, as soon as something, it's just everything we've been talking about, like shifting the perception on what happens immediately into something that at least you're curious about, you know, what, mm. cause a lot of people also hear, I know I caused this, or why would I cause this? Especially with those bigger things we're talking about health or abuse. And it's not in the human way. If you cause this, now you have to live, live with it. Like we're, you know, that's, that's not, the the intention but is there a, a way on a soul level or maybe that's just what i what resonates with me is like on a soul level is there a reason why i may be experiencing this to learn something here and yeah. you know with my body as i shared every time now i feel discomfort and i inquire which is every time now 
I directly hear guidance. I also, that's, you know, clear audience is how I receive things, but I was never asking. I was just going, this sucks. Why am I in pain? Those aren't very good. It's <laughs> not a very good question to ask. But when I say now, what is this teaching me? I always hear like, it's teaching you how to truly look after yourself. It's teaching you mm. unconditional love in your body. It's teaching you how to experience dense sensation and not attach to it. It's teaching, mm -hmm. it'll keep going on. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Wow. Well, let's well, get started. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, thank you then. Wow. You know, which is, uh, that's just so powerful. And I definitely have found you know, I don't say it lightly, but life changing results mm. from exactly what you're talking about is shifting. Um, I love that those stages too. I don't know if we got to the end of that. I interrupted you because I just felt so passionate about that, but I love that. Well, the, the, the last one so far as there is a sort of formula um, is really just to having observed how we've gone through a little bit of a journey there, which, or, 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 or not, you know, it might be that we encounter resistance along that way and don't want to see that there's gift here or, or opportunity here or it's not doesn't feel possible in that moment to to find an affirmative response to that and that's cool too but more often than not people experience a transformation they experience a believing or a perceiving of something as being quite different mm -hmm. than how they had been perceiving it Mm -hmm. And when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that, that's, that's a, a truism in my experience that I invite people to find as true or not in their own experience. Yeah. I went and through... You, oh. Sorry, I was going to say, usually it's quite exciting or empowering to notice, oh, wow, I just turned some shit into gold. Mm -hmm. I, I just did some alchemy, some inner alchemy. I was just going to say, that's alchemy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had this moment in time where this was so long ago now, but I think it was even before the untethered soul, but that, that like, what could this be teaching me something in there? And I remember I was sitting in traffic and I'm going, nah, nah, nah. I have, I had somewhere to go work or appointment or something. And I was like, fine. What is this teaching me? And I heard just in this beautiful voice, this is the perfect opportunity to practice patience. And I was like, damn it. And patience started coming out. I'd be in the line at the bank. I'm like, ah, you know, and then I hear, this is the perfect opportunity to pray. Somebody's late. Ah, this is the perfect. I was like, damn it. This opportunity is everywhere. But I started really doing that. And even now, like 20 years later, I hear in my mind, this is the perfect opportunity to practice patience. And I don't just mean that like clenching my fists, frustrated about it, trying to be Zen. It's truly an opportunity to practice patience. And if you have somewhere to be, you could call them, be like, I'm in traffic. I'll be there soon. Take the pressure off instead of just sitting there stressing. Sometimes that thing that is available for us to learn is something that simple as this is a time to not trip out, <laughs> stop tripping balls, <laughs> take a deep breath, call someone or just practice patience. And it's not, you know, it's not always, it, it is really deep, but it's also sometimes those classic spiritual life skills that really, really help us. Maybe impatience is a thing. Now you can start to look at when you're held up as an opportunity to practice patience, that shifts right there. What, you know, what is going on? So yeah, I just remember that time where I just constantly practicing patience. <laughs> yeah. 
I love all of this. This is so powerful. Yeah, it reminds me of when I was in New Zealand and very much starting on the path, as we were talking earlier on in our conversation, um, really starting to sort my shit out, to look at look at how I was dysfunctioning in life and how miserable I was making myself and uh, to start to to do the work um, and, I, and, and seeing how reactive I was as a driver. Mm. You know, I'd be like, oh, you fucking idiot, excuse my language or something like this. Mm. And then realizing how insane that was, right? So someone, someone drives in a way that my mind decides is not the way they should be driving. And, and now I'm in a conversation with them that they can't hear, of course. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't change their driving, obviously. They, they're still just as <laughs> bad. But now I'm probably being a bit of an idiot as well. Because I'm probably going to speed up or slow down or do what we do as 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 reactive drivers, and that was that was sort of a a bit of a wake up call. It was like, wow, my my mind is insane. You know, in this in this little metal box, it is fighting the world based upon a perception of something that that's happened that couldn't have happened other than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make it mean something about you, yeah, the way that they're driving. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's, and about them. <laughs> that's that's what quickly became true was that 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 voice, the the really harsh "you fucking idiot" voice, was actually an inner dialogue mm-hmm. that I'd been having myself having with myself below the level of conscious awareness, mostly um, for a long, long time, and that was one of the first sort of insights of that meditation practice. Was like, wow. I'm in a really harsh, judgmental relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never communicate with anyone else like that. So let's let's change that. So that was the beginning of, of practicing self-love and forgiveness and uh, softness and gentleness with my with my humanness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially driving. It's like such a great example where what they're doing literally has nothing to do with you. And I had a realization after I had my first kid and we drove home from the hospital and um, my partner at the time was driving so slow because like we had a newborn. We were like, (laughs) thought if all days we can't get in a car accident. And then I had this awareness of, oh, all those times I've been like, come on driver. They might be recovering from a surgery. They might be old and can't see. They might be who knows why, or that's just the, the speed they feel comfortable But it was that moment of like, I could be literally swearing in my car at someone that has a newborn baby in their vehicle. And I am choosing to judge them and pretend that they should be driving 20 kilometers or miles or wherever everybody is (laughs) faster, but they could have a newborn. They could have a, you know, whatever else. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's the fact that I'm spewing that. Um, but also what you said about, you just said how reactive you were noticing. It made me think of A Course in Miracles and how they say that the ego is filled with tiny mad ideas. And I love that, the tiny mad ideas. Or in the Tao, they'll say like the world of the 10,000 things. And sometimes it's like our mind is just so cluttered with all of these things, these tiny mad ideas, these details, and we kind of just spew. But in everything we're talking about, if we can kind of rise above that level of all the tiny mad ideas and all the 10,000 things and actually look at this as being something that could help us, or even just how could I spin this shit into gold? Even if you're not quite in the place of, oh, this is a blessing, 
you know, how can I spin this into gold? Okay. This could teach me some self-compassion, some patience. Okay. That's even taking responsibility for the way you're reacting, even if the spiritual component doesn't resonate yet or something. Yeah, right. And the beautiful thing about being alive upon planet Earth at this point in time is that these are skills and capacities to take that transcendent view or to withdraw to that place of deep peace within us or, or to open our heart to that infinite love um these, these are skills that we can practice and cultivate the inner tahiti um, yeah right <laughs> even when you're driving and people are being idiots <laughs> yes even even then <laughs> yeah i can find my inner tahiti even when you're being an idiot <laughs> i don't think you quite anyway it's, it's a step <laughs> um thank you so much for this whole conversation this has been amazing i love going deep. And I love finding these conversations where we can just go deep and expand, you know, take people where they are and maybe bring them a little further or have people feeling seen and heard in what we're talking about, because this experience is so layered. And I truly believe that we are not a victim to it, but it's a journey of detaching from that. And I remember my journey of contemplating and it rocked me to my soul, but who would I be if I wasn't suffering? Like that was such a huge question because I was always suffering with something. I was depressed. I was angsty. I was angry. I had the wrong, you know, stepmom and I was in pain and I, all these things, I was always suffering and who would I be if I wasn't? And that's kind of the journey that we're on here. Mm. Um, And, and I just really appreciate this conversation. This is the stuff that really helps consciousness, the planet, and it's important. I've also really enjoyed it, Talia. So thank you for creating the space for this dialogue. And uh, I hope that your viewers and, and listeners and watchers and and uh, intuitive beings sensing it on the other side of the universe maybe are uh, have, have enjoyed our exploration as well. Yeah. This podcast is number one on Venus, so. <laughs> Good to um, know. Yeah, it's good. It's it's an advanced crowd over there. I bet. Um, so if somebody wants to find you, seek you out, I'd love to hear just a little bit about how someone could either work with you or where we can find you if it's social media or yeah, how do you express yourself in business? How can we take this to the next step if someone wants to come into your world? I, I do have a website where people can find out a little bit more about me on that's willpy, that's pye.com. And on Instagram, which I'm told is where all the cool kids are these days, I, I am Will Pye, the gratitude guy. Love that. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think I've been on Facebook for a few years now, but um, I'm pretty sure I still have a page on there as well. Uh, but yeah, in, in, Instagram I do I do use. My, my wife teaches me how to use it. I'm still learning, but uh, Perfect. I, I think I'm getting there. The yin and the yang, right? We need both parts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you were saying about doing you speaking and your book. Um, did you say books or did you say book? Um, if someone wanted to dive deeper into your work, where where do they go for that? Their website? The, the website, um, Blessed with a Brain Tumor is my first book and probably my favorite at this point. That's uh, easily available in all the usual places. The Gratitude Prescription was my second book. That's uh, it's actually just been taken out of print. It wasn't selling. But um, 
but I, I believe no, I only put in like 10,000 hours of work to that. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, that's all good. It's directing me with the next book. I, I won't, I won't be going with that publisher again. Um, the next book is called the truth healing depression, brain cancer, and hemiplegia with the power of the one mind. Wow. And I will be trusting in the universe to help me promote that as I did the first book. And so I'm excited about that, but obviously that I'll have to write it first before people can enjoy it. Um, and in fact, I'm going to, because I, my, my left hand doesn't quite work as it did. So writing a book in the conventional way you know, on a laptop isn't possible in the way that it was. So the opportunity that I'm finding in that is to use voice to text software. I was software. just going to say that, yeah. And I and I trust that a, a a clearer and more powerful expression will come through. And anyone that buys that what ends up being the book will also get the the audio texts as well, or the audio recordings, which uh, carry their own resonance. So I'm excited about that, and I've just started working with clients again excuse me relatively recently in the last few months so if people are looking for one-on-one -on -one guidance then they're welcome to reach out on social media or via the website or whatever and we can have a, a conversation and see if that's something that would be of service to them at this point beautiful thank you so much i'll put the links below in the show notes um thank you for sharing yourself your story for everything you're doing for the consciousness of the planet <laughs> i Likewise, really do Talia. Thank yeah, you. I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit on this call and hope we get to connect at some point again in the future. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on the Awakening Her podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and my guest. And if you did, we would love to hear from you. Come find us on Instagram. All the links are below in the show notes. Take a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, sharing your takeaways or your enthusiasm for the show. Tag us both over on Instagram. And if you do that, I will send you a free gift. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will see you in the next episode.